Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Booksmart and I'm happy to be joined by two recurring guests. Uh, first, I want to welcome back Hannah Couture who hasn't been on since the Oscars podcast. Hannah, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me back. No, I'm really excited to have you here for this. And joining us back for the first time since the Greta podcast is my friend Kayla Stetzel. Kayla, have you befriended any lonely French ladies recently? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Uh, I have not, um, but I'm happy to be here. I'm really uh, I'm really glad to have you here, too. Um, you guys, we're here to talk about Booksmart, which is the new film from, debut film from director Olivia Wilde. It stars uh, Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein as two high school seniors, Amy and Molly, who are on their last ever day of high school, the day before graduation, and realize we've been tryhards all along to get into really great colleges and all the other kids in our school have not tried as hard as us, and they're going to equally great colleges. We need to party to make up for lost time and show them we need to, we need to have fun, too. And that's basically the premise of the movie, as it mostly takes place over one night of them trying to have a lot of fun. Uh, guys, I was really excited about this movie when it was first came to my attention. I, I, I know it debuted at South by Southwest. I think I might have known about it a little bit before then. But I know both of you are really excited about it, too. Uh, one, I think uh, uh, both of you guys are... I'm presumably I, I don't know if I've ever talked to Kale about Lady Bird. I know Hannah's a big Lady Bird fan, so we were obviously probably pretty big fans of Beanie Feldstein. Uh, Short Term Twelve is one of my favorite movies of all time, so I go pretty far back with Caitlin Deaver. And I know Hannah, you're a Justified fan, so you probably go back even further yep. with her. So we had like lots of reasons to like be excited about this movie. And uh, you know, I, 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 luckily, I think the discourse hasn't like gone so low as to just be like, oh, it's the female Superbad. Uh, but the fact is, like, it shares like both literal and figurative DNA with Superbad, given its narrative structure and the fact that uh, Beanie Feldstein's Jonah Hill's sister. So I guess first where I want to start is I'll ask, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. Um, Kayla, how do you think this movie did it just like being its own thing within this genre and not just being like another Superbad overall? Like, where did you come out on it in that regard? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things I enjoyed about this film. I think, first of all, hats off to Olivia Wilde. Uh, this is her directorial debut. I thought it was filmed beautifully, creatively, and it really did capture a lot of what I remember about high school um, in kind of like a new novel way. But I think we're different, like um, we're kind of split compared to like a super bad or a lot of the other, I think, more like male centric comedies is the lead characters were very different than what I typically see. Um, so obviously they're both young women, but they're also, one of them is queer. Um, so gay identified, which I think is this film did a lot for queer representation in the media. Um, but it also, it seemed like it had, I don't know, more of a purpose than a lot of the other films. Um, I know a lot of the buddy films, buddy comedy films, like it's all like, Oh, but like the real point is that we're all friends. There seemed to actually be almost kind of like, a double lesson running through it. So yeah, like friendship is very important, but I think both the characters grew a lot more as people than you would see in like a super bad where like, you know, it was kind of, or like a hangover, which is kind of like an adult buddy film where it's just kind of the, the night was just a fun night and these are memories we're going to make. And that's the end of the movie. This had, I think some more, um, I think more of a moralistic overtone. Dare I say that? What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I one thing I will say is that I one thing I, I actually rewatched Superbad last Thursday just to, uh, or last Friday just because I wanted to like I actually hadn't watched it in a really long time. I mean, I it was I was one of the people my year of high school were like 16 when it came out. So it was like a big thing to like sneak into the movies mm-hmm. and like see that. So I have fond memories of it, but I was like, I should probably like rewatch this as a 28 year old with like way more perspective on life. Uh, and like, I, I have more thoughts I'll get into later about the two movies. But like, what I will say is like, I did think this had like far more richer characters and, people that even if they didn't have enough screen time you had a good idea of who they were as people but uh hannah i want to ask your overall thoughts on Booksmart because i know you maybe uh had a few more issues with it than like a lot of people did but at the same time i i know you respected it as an accomplishment also yeah i mean as we were talking about this a little bit before that i didn't like it as much as you did and as a, a lot as much as a lot of people did but i think most of my issues with it are more of like me not necessarily loving this genre of movie like it it's a I kind of felt a little bit like you know it's it's not you it's me about some of this because I I kind of get like 
this makes me sound like such a loser, but like <laughs> I, I get stressed out at like movies like this where I'm like, mm, I don't want them to get in trouble. Like, <laughs> just like not, I know it's supposed to be like an escapist fun thing, but a lot of it, you know, I don't always enjoy, but there, you know, there was stuff in this movie that I did enjoy. I really liked all of the performances, especially the two leads. And I think you're right that as opposed to something like super bad, which to be fair, I have not seen since high school. So I don't remember it really well, but it, is more, I did seem more focused on their friendship, but also like sort of the complications within their friendship that it wasn't just straightforward. Like we're friends and we're going to be friends forever. Like, let's go have fun. You know, it did, there's that scene when they finally get to the party at the end where they have that argument where you kind of realize like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, they're the protagonists and we're rooting for them, but they maybe have not had the correct perspective on everything the whole time. Yeah. Which I think is, is it good for this kind of movie? Like a good, twist sort of for this kind of movie to have well what i will ask is that about i mean it's funny you said that maybe the escapism thing isn't exactly your type of thing because you get worried for them whereas <laughs> I, I don't know i think i almost related more to these characters than i did to the characters in Superbad. who like while yes they are trying to like go to a big party and also have fun they one of the things in that movie is that one of them did get into an ivy league school and the other didn't mm-hmm. but like they're also like kind of screw-offs at the same time like they're shown constantly throughout super bad like how they like to get drunk on their own and like walk into strip clubs and stuff like that when they mm-hmm. are when they're not invited to the big fun parties and that wasn't my high school experience i was more like what amy and molly were is like i didn't touch alcohol till april of my senior year of high school like it wasn't even like it it was and it it wasn't like i was couldn't have gone to some parties i was more of an opt-out type of thing and so like i certainly related to that and i think maybe uh, that's just a different and i don't know like what y'all's high school experiences exactly were like but like mine was like more like oh yeah i could totally relate to like realizing that other people had more fun than me. And I know we're going to talk about just the idea of like the other people getting into colleges. Cause mm-hmm. that's been its own topic of conversation, but it was kind of the same thing, except I didn't go to an Ivy league school. I went to the university of Florida and, but like university of Florida, it has gotten pretty hard to get into for kids, like from even the state of Florida that have good grades and good test scores. So like I did come to the realization though, it's like, wow, like people that did like way worse than me in both like test sco- standardized testing and like class and in class, like, got into the university of florida like i could have had so much more fun so i think that was like a way i just connected to this movie where it was like i i get that realization and that was just something where like it definitely was different than super bad and even though i was never an 18 year old girl i i related way more to them than these characters and i just i I definitely like enjoyed their performances and bought their relationship i will say this though and this is like both a praise and a critique of the film i found the beanie Feinstein's character Feldstein kind of hard to like as a person Mm -hmm. Um, so I found her haughtiness and rigidity a little bit off-putting which honestly even though it kind of made some of the viewing a little bit more difficult I thought made the overall film a little bit richer right I was also like a very try-hard kid throughout all of college. I was on student council and I was president of like 50,000 clubs because I just did way too much in high school. But I was kind of a middle-of-the-road character. So like I, I related honestly more to like the more of the the party people in, a, uh-huh. in some aspects of, of high school. But in, to I think honestly to uh, Denver's character the most if I had to pick someone. But the fact that you kind of saw a lot of the errors of her ways um, throughout the beginning of the movie. I think that kind of made the ending and the shift a little bit more satisfying, right? Um, So even though I kind of found her a little bit grating at times, or at least, you know, like a little bit, I saw her arrogance as like being an issue, um, but it made the ending, I, I feel more satisfying when she kind of understood like, yeah, she's not all that in a bag of chips and, (laughs) you know, um, yeah. So when her friend finally stood up to her, it, it felt like, a you know, a more richer conclusion or turning point, I would say. Yeah. Hannah, yeah. Hannah how much do you think we're supposed to like these people? Well, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that is a strength of the movie is that there isn't really there aren't really any villains except arguably at moments, Molly, which you don't necessarily realize at the beginning. And I was a little bit worried because if you just go by the trailer, maybe you might think that their attitude is like, it's not fair that we haven't had any fun because we're smarter than them. And of course it's not because 
anybody, mm-hmm. any of them are smarter than any of the other ones, which they come to realize. You know, I like that they eventually do realize that, oh, we, especially uh, Beanie Feldstein's character, that they realize, oh, we've been acting like we're better than these other kids, which we're not. And she is, you know, at the beginning of the movie, she's very dismissive of them. Like I do, it's funny, she, when, at one point she says to, um, Noah Galvin's character where she mm-hmm. says something really dismissive to him. Like, Oh, why are you, why are you wasting your time with theater instead of doing debate? Like, you know, you could be doing something real, which is funny because Beanie Feldstein is also a Broadway actor, but like, <laughs> so there's lots of little things like that where you go like, Oh, she's like not particularly nice, you know? And yeah. it's good that she, you see her sort of evolve by the end. Some of her, her, her viewpoints kind of evolve for sure. They do. And like, I, well, I also thought it was funny. That it was like, she she kind of wanted him on the debate team too at the same time it was like she kind of acknowledged that like yeah you're really smart like i'm but i'm just like angry at you for like not joining a team and like i i thought the movie like made really good use of like those of of mo- character moments like that like when the the two th- the two th- the two theater kids like pop in for like just a small moment like and then they pop back up at the murder mystery party and then they somehow pop back up like at the end at the the fun party too it's like i don't know that that was one of the strengths of the movies for me is that like you do actually like get a sense of like who these people are even if it's not immediate you know like like you said there's actually ultimately no villains and it's i thought it is pretty cool how like the movie does set you up to maybe think that annabelle character or the nick character are going to be that and then they do like turn into something else and it doesn't really feel like the movie took like a big shortcut to get there either because it just kind of played this trick on you with like setting you up for what molly and amy think about them and it's like oh well i've just been seeing things from their point of view so i don't feel cheated in that the movie is now showing me a different side of these other people it's just we're, Mm -hmm. we're now seeing it just from another perspective yeah and you really do get kind of like beautiful vignettes into the side characters' lives, right? Um, which I also enjoyed. I mean, I think one of my favorite characters was honestly like the uh, the kid who's going to Google and not going mm-hmm. to college. He, every time he had like a little like cameo scene, I just died laughing. Yeah. So it's like every little side character kind of had a rich backstory, no matter how small the screen time, which I definitely valued. And they all had like very specific weird things about them. They didn't feel like sort of stock high school characters for the most part. Yeah, well, well, what's interesting is that, I mean, you had the, you say that about there not being stock high school characters. I was actually thinking as I left the theater, I've never actually either in real life or in movies seen characters like Jared and Gigi who are just like (laughs) running around, like spending money and doing rich people things, but like don't actually seem to have any friends and are like, so absorbed in their own world it's like that's not really a character i can relate to or even relate to knowing at all but i thought the performances were really funny and i mean not that they were more than one note for most of the time but i thought that uh skylar uh gizondo the guy that plays jared like he's really good in that last scene at the party where he's like is really Mm -hmm. serious when he's talking to molly Mm -hmm. and like even though it seemed like a somewhat abrupt change for that character like i really enjoyed that performance in the moment so even characters that like really don't feel like anything you've would ever see in a high school, like still had good moments, which really impressed me. Yeah. I think most of my favorite moments in the movie probably come from the whole sequence at that final party. Like, I think maybe the most I laughed at anything was that shot of when they finally get to the last party of Billy Lord popping back up and then slowly yeah. just sinking back <laughs> behind the bar again. Yeah. Billy Lord for me, I think, brought most of the laughs and her performance was just knockout. Well, and also, I their re- have... also their reactions to her. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, just the whole thing and the running gag of her just being everywhere. So funny. And I mean, not that I went to a super bougie high school in like Los Angeles, but I definitely remember, but this is probably more like freshman year of college meeting like the Gigi characters. Uh, I okay. definitely had a couple friends like that. Mm. Yeah, who, like, I don't know if you'd want to be, like, super close with them, but uh, I was always the mom friend, so I was typically the one that would, you know, get in the car the next day and, like, pick up all of her things that are just scattered throughout all of campus. (laughs) But uh, those people do exist. I think it was played up for laughs, obviously, and played well. (laughs) But, yeah, I I found her character super fascinating and hilarious. Shout out to Billy Lord. Yeah, while we're talking about that last scene, though, I I do want to say, like, I thought that was, like, one of the things that really jumped out to me about that, especially on my second viewing of the movie, uh, because I I saw it twice. I saw, like, an early screening a month ago, but I was like, I need to refresh myself before we do this podcast. Was That was, like, where Olivia Wilde, like, really got to flex as just, like, a, hey, I can, like, really do some cool shit for a first-time director. 
you know, mm-hmm. like they had the the dance scene, uh, which was like super like random but pretty fun to watch. Where uh, Molly's just like envisioning what it would be like to dance around with Nick. But obviously, the swimming scene underwater uh, was really cool when they're just showing Amy like swimming around, and then and then after she sees uh, um, Nick and the uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other girl now, Ryan, like, Ryan, Ryan, yeah, Nick and Ryan kissing. Like the way it follows her in like a pretty long wonder as she's like distressed, like walking through the party. It's just like a really cool sequence where it's like, wow, yeah. like, Olivia Wilde really knows how to move a camera. I don't know if any other sequences like that really jumped out to you guys, but that, all that really struck me, especially when I saw the movie again. Yeah, I, I agree. I was mesmerized by that scene and it was very moving. And also the Lannis Morissette karaoke scene. Yeah, I was uh, yeah, A, shout out for Lannis Morissette karaoke. Big fan of that in general. But also the way that it was shot was just very interesting. The use of color at that party was also very cool. Um, you had a lot of like magentas and yellows and uh, deep blues. Um so when you're you're kind of just focused right on her, and I think it might have been a little bit fisheye when she was walking out of the uh, pool, right. and it was just kind of a long, long take just on. Um, man, I'm drawing a blank in that character's name. Amy. Amy, I was definitely moved because you saw the distress on her face. You could tell. I mean, she's all wet, probably uncomfortable, um, and then she just gets, you know, ditched by her best friend. Not a good, not a good vibe. Um, so you really got the the emotions going, and then also, the soundtrack to this movie across the board, I thought was great. A lot of great bangers in that movie in book smart. Um, but it really, in those moments, particularly at the party really boosted, uh, I think the moods, both the good and the bad, um, throughout that party scene. Definitely. Yeah. I, I was just gonna say, I think the, the swimming pool scene and the karaoke scene are probably my two favorite scenes in the whole movie. I really, um, I, that pool scene, especially, I know people have pointed out that lots of teen movies, especially recent ones have had swimming pool scenes, like eighth grade has one and lady bird has one, but that the way that it follows her underwater and you just see everyone else's legs. And then she slowly sees, um, Ryan. Like, I, I really liked that. I thought that was so much more interesting than her just like walking in on them or something, which might happen in a movie like this. Right. Yeah. In a minute, in a little bit, I want to go back to just talking about the relationship between the two characters and uh, some other f- funny parts of the movie. But it's funny. We've talked about all these other secondary characters now and also just this party scene that takes place at the super dope house. And I <laughs> and, and, and Hannah, you've had very positive things to say about it. But I want I want to I want to move into talking a little bit about what's uh, been a criticism that kind of I didn't really think about at the time as I was watching the movie. But I, I uh, but I but I've been thinking about it a lot since I first started saw it raised online. I know it's something that uh bothered you some during the movie and that you know this movie doesn't really take the time to investigate too much about these other kids that like got into really cool colleges and presumably have a lot of money can you talk a little bit about like how the movie not quite interrogating the uh everything that goes into that uh when it maybe had the chance to and how that struck you as you were watching this movie sure i don't i don't have a problem with it being about um, wealthy kids in Los Angeles because, you know, lots of movies and TV are about that because that's a lot of who makes movies and where you can film movies. Um, and I don't even think that it, that money goes unacknowledged because they talk about Gigi and, um, Jared, you know, they talk about how they both come from rich families and like sort of have tried to buy friends unsuccessfully. But I think what bothered me more necessarily than the fact that a lot of these characters clearly come from rich families is that I think the movie misunderstands how college admissions works. Mm. And it has the, this is not on the movie, but it has the misfortune of coming out what two months after the college admissions scandal, where we all see how easy it is for rich kids from Los Angeles, especially to go to any elite college that they want. Now, obviously that doesn't mean that these kids haven't worked hard or that that's how everybody gets into college, but it, when it's something that's fresh in your mind like that, I don't know. And just the idea that, um, well, they also, that, they also show that Molly doesn't live in like a super nice house. They don't, you right. don't meet her parents. She and lives in a small apartment. Explored that and they didn't, but it, yeah, I mean, that is a nice touch, I guess. I guess I'm articulating this poorly, but there's a really good, um, Buzzfeed article that I think is the thing, uh, by Alison Wilmore about this movie's sort of blind spot about like, class, but just more specifically the college admissions thing that, um, I don't know, just, it was just kind of a thing that 
not that it makes me dislike the movie, but it sort of took me out. Like, for example, when Annabelle says, you know, like, oh, I got a 1560 on the SAT or whatever, as if there aren't lots of kids who get that kind of score on the SAT and are not able to get into or afford Yale or Harvard or Columbia or whatever. And just the idea that every single kid that they encounter, with the exception of the kid who got recruited to work for Google, <laughs> is going to an elite private college just sort of struck me as odd. Yeah. I get that that's yeah. sort of the catalyst for Molly's realization, but it was just sort of strange. Um, the only thing that, like... I don't know, left a slightly bad taste in my mouth was when Gigi was like, because Gigi, I think if anybody was going to go full varsity blues scandal in that <laughs> movie, it would be Gigi. Sure. Um, <laughs> and when she was just like, you know, like, oh, like, don't even ask. It's my sixth choice. <laughs> I was like, all right, like, well, who even are you? Uh, so that was the only, I think, uh, character that really was like, uh, I don't know if I buy it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I do want to make a point because I feel like there's been a lot of hype for this film. And I mean, it's good. Like, I think well warranted. Like, this film is, I would categorize it in a completely different category than like a ladybird, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, for me, the, yeah, they're both like buildings, Roman, you know, coming of age stories. But it's almost like, you know, comparing like a super bad to like a stand by me. Like, the total theme, while similar, different, you know? Yeah. So, Booksmart, I think definitely fits in more with like just a straight up like buddy comedy film. Whereas Lady Bird is like super layered take on just like growing up. Right. And I feel like with Lady Bird, they definitely handled, I think a lot of the class issues better on that end, but that was like a more central, I think piece to that story. Um, but I've seen a lot of people kind of lump those two new movies together, both Booksmart and Lady Bird, I think just because of the cast overlap. Um, yeah, but I feel like it's important to kind of differentiate those two. Yeah, uncomfortable. they're definitely apples and oranges, but I think I, they're definitely apples and oranges. So I, I agree we shouldn't like just sit there and compare them side by side. But I do think yeah. it's notable that Lady Bird is like 10 minutes shorter. It's really, it's like a, it's a 90 minute movie or I think like if not more than like 93 minutes, I think. And yeah, it's not very long. Yeah. And this movie, it's a, it's a, a good 10 minutes shorter than this movie. And it does it is able to hit all those class things. It might not be going for the same uh, romp of a comedy type of thing as this mm-hmm. movie is, but like it's able to fit in a good amount of stuff about class in a shorter amount of time while accomplishing a lot of other things. And I guess where I kind of came down on the whole thing was like, I, I kind of acknowledge that there's like a, maybe a slightly better way Booksmart could have handled all that. But at the same time, it, I, I don't want to put that mm-hmm. on every single movie that they have to like be all things and, be a commentary on class on top of a lot of other things but i think when it when it shows molly's apartment like that's a conscious choice you know like we see amy's house and it's like really nice so it's like something the movie kind of wants us to take note of and it's fine if it mm-hmm. wants to like be subtle and show that and have it be a subtle way of conveying where, where her family comes from but if it, i feel like it needs to interrogate it a little further before it gets credit for that just to like show what that means and if that's the case it could have gone a little more in on what this college admission stuff is instead of like flippantly having everyone getting the really cool schools yeah no i just want i, I don't i don't need it to be like a documentary and i right. don't need it to go into like inequality in college admissions um and i i agree that i it's been a little frustrating for me to see it compared so much to ladybird because like i adore that movie but they're not particularly similar and it's annoying mm-hmm. when people try and lump movies together just because they're about teenage girls um but i just i just thought that there were a couple moments that were like that sort of like clanged for me that there were a couple things that were a little weird in terms of how they talked about college but i don't need it to be i, I understand that it's way more of a comedy and I get not needing to, not wanting to devote a whole lot of time to that. It just seems like maybe this, I know that this is a screenplay that was written originally several years ago and has been rewritten a couple times by other writers. And it almost felt a little bit like a, maybe a plot point from several years ago, just because the way we talk about college and just the way college admissions works, I feel like has changed a lot in the last decade or so. I don't know. I just wanted to point it out. I don't, no, I agree, and I, I think I it's don't like, think it makes the movie bad or anything. No, I think it's super fair to point out. Like everyone has their own things, their own things that can like take them out of the movie briefly. And uh, for whatever reason, like that didn't do it to me. But like I totally agree that it's a, a valid criticism. But like every, it feels like every single episode, like I'll have something that like bugged me about a movie that like just didn't strike other people. And this is something that didn't just like stick out to you, Hannah. It obviously was something that was like notable to a lot of people. So I think it is like just important to talk about. Well, and it's like how you know I said movies like this stress me out. Like. Every- Everybody has weird personal like buttons that get pushed by movies that, you know, 
aren't necessarily important. That was one of the one of the little issues I had with it. No, it's a good point. And the other thing I saw, like a the, there was another tweet that got passed around a lot. I'm sure you guys like might have seen it too, where there was like a whole other thing going back and forth where people on Twitter were like criticizing other people that like like classic film too much for shitting on another tweet in which someone said oh look at these three iconic coming age stories and it had a still oh, of, I vaguely uh, it had it. a still of ladybird a still of Booksmart, and a still of edge at 17 that's the obligatory shout out we have to have whenever we Always. do a podcast <laughs> it, it comes up every time hannah and i do a podcast you know? <laughs> like, but, but the, like the fact is like that that's been like it's a whole other thing too where it's like there's been like these arguments going back and forth on twitter where it's like let the young people enjoy things but it's like people need to watch classic film more and it's like this really feels like an argument that doesn't need to be had but at the same time like you really shouldn't compare those three movies all that much even though they've happened no. to come out like three years in a row because they are like very different things like this movie is like about a friendship edge of 17 is like about a girl like that sees it like as the whole world against her. And that's almost like the primary relationship in that movie is like the girl versus like everyone else in her life where she thinks everyone's out to get her. And you know, lady birds, like, I mean, it's about, a, I think first and foremost about a mother and a daughter. Uh, even if like, there's a lot of other stuff going on there. It's like, these movies all have like different things going on and I don't really, they're all great. And I don't really think it's like fair to any of them to like put a pit them against each other, you know? Uh, yeah, I totally agree, Josh. But also, I mean, and this is just kind of a commentary. I feel like a lot of those tweets are like old, old man yells at cloud. Well, like, I mean, some, so the tweets do have points. I, I do think young people should watch older movies, but I also think every generation has those types of coming of age films that are kind of owned by that generation. Right. Um, so what the seventies had, um, man, like the graduate, right. Um, that's the sixties. Yeah. Sixties. Um, that's yeah. And then like 80s had breakfast club. Then like what the early aughts had, what the garden state, is that like a coming of age film? Mean uh, Girls. If I could, maybe Mean Girls. Maybe. Um, yeah. I'm so like, like, I feel ones, like yeah. I feel like every generation has like a coming of age film that they kind of own. That kind of owns that era, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I feel like you know it's not too weird that a lot of young people are gravitating towards these movies, right? And seeing seeing them as classics. But yeah, I, I agree. It's I feel like it's kind of a trivial argument to begin with because all the films are so different and they're so yeah. great in different ways. And even though they each have a pool scene, um, <laughs> surprise, surprise, <laughs> uh, they're very different films. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those conversations that I feel like if these were not movies about young women directed by women, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know, it's one of those frustrating yeah. things where like, oh, well, these must be the same. Right. And it's like, no, they're all pretty different movies yeah no definitely i i i, I, I do want to back up for a minute because i think what is unique about this movie is that like there's there's other movies we mentioned like even mean girls if you throw that in there or something like i, I don't think any of them are quite about just a friendship in the same way you know mm-hmm. like beanie plays the the friend plays plays the friend in ladybird but it's not and and that friendship means something in that movie but like the movie's not primarily about it like it is in this movie so i think in a movie that's going to be about two female friends like you really have to buy that friendship and buy the chemistry mm-hmm. between the two actors and i think we mentioned how or at the, i mentioned being the podcast how i think all of us have sp- soft spots for these actresses but i i want to actually give you guys a chance to talk about that and uh like hannah how, how, what did you think about the two leads and just the the chemistry they had on screen and it, if you really kind of bought into what they had going between the two of them yeah, definitely. I, I really liked both of their performances and they had great chemistry together. And I think that, I mean, obviously it's meant to be the central thing in the movie, but that their relationship is the best thing about it. And, um, like Kayla was saying earlier, I love that, uh, Amy is gay and Molly and everybody around her is very supportive of it, but it, it, they're all supportive of her. And like, I love how Molly like eggs her on to talk to Ryan and I love that it's that's just like a casual thing in the movie that, you know, more movies, especially more movies. I mean, this is R rated, but like more movies about and aimed at young people should have something like that. And I love that the movie shows them also. It's easy to say, like, oh, these two characters are best friends. But I love it that it shows that they have like lots of inside jokes and like sort of code words in ways that friends do. Like there's sort of shorthand where you are like, oh, I can definitely see that they are really close and have been for a long time. Yeah, how, how did you think the movie handled uh, that relationship, Kayla? Yeah, I mean, I think one of my favorite, like, weird friend quirks that I saw 
um, within that film that made me like buy in is when they just start complimenting each other in really weird, specific ways <laughs> back and forth. Like, Oh, like my eyes, I can't even look at you. You're so beautiful. That's the kind of stuff that I do with my friends and, and like our group chats, you know, where we just like hype each other up. Um, so I, that's something that I think was like, that felt very real and true to life to me. And it also made me feel like these characters had a long and rich history together. So I was bought in. And I also feel like seeing characters like friends fight, really fight verbally like that, where you can see that there's pain being given, like dealt and received on both ends of that fight. was kind of a beautiful moment, even though it's sad and, you know, frustrating. I think seeing some tension in relationships and then having that tension resolved goes to show like how strong like the friend the bonds of friendship are between those two people and you often don't see those types of conflicts in these types of films right usually it's like a nice buddy romp the whole time maybe there's like some minor you know character fight but they kind of really went for it here and it was just kind of nice it made the film definitely i think more richer which i've spoken about prior but it made the friendship feel more real you know, because no relationship is perfect. Yeah, and it, it definitely had been building up throughout the movie and was set up mm. pretty well. I mean, and there was a little bit of that in Superbad where it's like they had a fight at the end uh, yeah. or whatever, but like they, they come together pretty quickly when uh, Seth like carries Evan out of the party or whatever. And not that like these friends were broken up for that long in this movie either, but like it, and there's and there's a similar dynamic in both movies where like one's trying to like kind of get the other to go in, but like I feel like it was set up pretty well in this movie. You even had them like on top of just like Amy trying to end the night, you had them like the whole thing where it was like they could call Malala on them when they wanted them, when they needed mm-hmm. that. Just an example of the inside joke where it was like you don't really learn anything about when that had been uh, when they drawn that card and prior times in their friendships, but like you could tell there was like a lot that went into that and it was like set up really well. And yeah, I, and I, and, and I also want to um, make the point that uh, both of you have already made that I thought it was pretty cool that like the way they handled having a, a, a gay character in this movie, you know, like it was a big deal last year or was it last year? Did love Simon come out last year or two years ago? Yeah. Last year. I think it was early last year. Right. Yeah. Where that was like the first, I guess this isn't a studio comedy, but it was like the first studio movie to like have, a, a gay lead and uh, or maybe a first studio high school it had one. like a lot of qualifiers, a lot of qualifiers yeah it was but, like first teen with a yeah but i think this was like the first high, I, at least that i can think of this might have been like the first one of the first high, to, to add a few more qualifiers onto it like a high school movie where one of the leads is gay but the movie's not about the fact they're gay and i think uh i think hannah did touch on that a little bit it's just like part of the character but it's not like a but it's still a big part of the character, even if that's not what the movie's about. And I thought that was just like pretty unique. And I thought the movie handled all that fairly well. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's nice to see. And like her, like potentially hooking up with this Ryan character was like a, a big plot point of like their motivation to get to this party. Right. And that was just like really nice to see um, as someone who like is obsessed with queer cinema. Um, I haven't seen like much of that, especially, you know, geared towards young people or like where the whole film isn't about them you know trying to come out or not this was just like a, right. like almost like uh just it's no different than like a uh you know a fully straight film where everyone's straight and they have a crush at a party which mm-hmm. was nice you don't see a handle like that very often well the thing with if, the, it, if at all yeah the thing with ryan though it ends up being like kind of a fake out and then she uh she hooks up with the hope character in the bathroom later in the movie uh, how, how did you think that the movie handled that scene that was like a that was a wild ride of events. Uh, so that was, I don't get secondhand embarrassment very often, Hannah. Uh, but man, I was like sweaty during (laughs) that because it was just, it couldn't have gone, I think worse for Amy in that moment. Right. And I kind of like, I mean, maybe this is just like me being selfish, but I really wanted her just to have a great night. Like she deserved it. (laughs) She put up, she put up with Molly dragging her around the party. And I was like, yes, like have your moment, like let it in, you know? (laughs) And like the fact that it like, you know, was traumatic and she ended up puking on the other girl. Like, Oh my gosh. Like I was sweating in the theater so much second embarrassment, but Hey, you know, hope pretty nice. Uh, so good, (laughs) good job Ames. Um, (laughs) For, for Poland Hope, I guess. That's, like, my only comment. Well, and that's, like, another thing, like, when I was talking about how, like, none of those kids end up being villains. Like, there was a point in that, like, when she first sees um, Ryan making out with a guy where I was like, oh, no, now maybe they're going to have a fight or something. And then, like, later when the experience with um, Hope goes so badly, I was like, oh, no, now, like, they're going to be mad at each other. But it both in both cases, 
they were both like, that was a weird thing that happened, huh? And then they're like still friendly with each other. Yeah. And I will say this, cause I had somebody say like, wow, like Ryan was so mean, like leading her on. And I was like, well, honestly, I feel like that's, that was just like a misunderstanding cause they right. barely yeah. like hung out at all. Um, and I feel like everybody's been in those situations where you might, you know, you're just so eager for something to be there. You might misread signs or like read something into nothing, especially if you're young, young people tend to do that. So like, I never saw her as like a villain or like, I never saw her as like leading, um, Amy on, you know? No. So like it felt very honest in that respect. Yeah. Well, and that's like, there's, Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just, there's like a long tradition of that in high school comedies mm-hmm. or teen movies where either a guy or a girl like is sort of like pining for someone else that they don't actually know and has been, ha- has had a crush on them for all of high school or whatever. And this is just doing that with two girls, which is great. Cause you never see that. And yes. I will also add, there was a point in the film where I was nervous that is it Nick, the guy character who yep. Molly yeah. was obsessed over when they were kind of flirting at the beer pong table I got nervous because I was like, oh, no, he's only being nice to her because it's some sort of joke or prank, Mm -hmm. which is a trope that's been around for forever. Right. But they didn't take that route, which I almost kind of was expecting that because I've seen it so many times. No. Um, And again, it just, you know, it it remained kind of honest and and neutral to the characters. I I don't even know if I thought he was going to, like, be playing some kind of prank on her. But I just thought I, I just thought it was like a cool twist to, like, have him, like, just be excited that she was at the party. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know exactly how I thought he was going to react, but it wasn't like that. But I did know people like that in high school where it's like you might think they're like a dumb jock that could like end up being an asshole. But they're actually like kind of nice and maybe just a little oblivious. And mm-hmm. I thought that was certainly like what that character was like. He was he, he might not have like been picking up any signal she was trying to lay down and was just being like super friendly. But like I think that's a far more interesting outcome than him being like an asshole. Well, and it, it's one of the things that emphasizes the fact that like none of it, Molly and Amy aren't like popular, I guess, but it, the movie I think goes out of its way to emphasize that these kids aren't like ostracizing them. They've sort of isolated themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, obviously there's always going to be like conflicts among teenagers like that, but it's really been more like of a self-imposed thing because they've, because Molly has been judgmental of other kids than it is that the other kids don't want to hang out with them. Like oh, no. Nick is genuinely excited to see them. Yeah, that's a good point too, because I, I, I that was one thing I was thinking about as I was watching Superbad was that I, I, what I was almost uncomfortable with that movie and almost unrealistically so, and my biggest criticism with it was that those guys are like, super socially awkward to the point where they have trouble forming sentences and it is played for laughs a few times where amy says like silly stuff when she's talking to ryan like you know mm-hmm. like oh would you feel comfortable going to uganda or yeah or, or, so or relatable like, yeah <laughs> it, it was it was it was funny but it wasn't overdone but it's super yeah. bad like those guys can't form sentences and all of a sudden like both of them just have like really really attractive normal girls that are super into them but you don't really know why because the movie doesn't take the time to develop those girls as characters Mm -hmm. and they don't take the time to like actually and i like that movie but like you know they they don't show you enough good sides of those guys to like make you understand why those girls would be into them and you don't get to know those (laughs) girls well enough to understand why they would be into them and that's kind of a problem whereas they fit in pretty well at the party in book smart you know like they 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 equip themselves well and i think that's a cool turn that to go to what hannah was saying about them like not just being like super super awkward that like they can't have fun at a party if they choose to do so yeah and i mean like i know hannah mentioned this like i think just like her last point but yeah both nick and ryan so like both the like potential love interest said to the lead characters like hey like it's i'm so glad to see you out like you're finally partying with us we've been waiting to see you come around you know for for a while so yeah it's, it's kind of an interesting twist there and again it also kind of takes these people off of their pedestals you kind of see at that party that like you know everyone's kind of you know got got their own problems and uh was it josh the goofy character the like male version of Gigi? i don't uh, remember jared. the character's name jared and see like the same thing with him like he's like this goofy i don't know i don't want to say sidekick but just like this really interesting eccentric side character right and then he kind of has this yeah. nice tender moment and you kind of like feel for him and there was a couple moments he just wants to throughout. finance the, like independent theater with, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. with female focused stories aren't you aren't yeah. you guys totally into him now um and then like uh even the guy um the google guy he like wants to hook up with his teacher like for some reason i just found him so endearing even though he's <laughs> kind of a weirdo yeah so it wasn't like there was this like class of like super cool unattainable people and just you know uh molly and amy 
in a different nerd realm. Right. It all, everyone felt very much approachable, very much real. Um, and you saw like with the girl that they nicknamed triple a with the bullying there, you kind of saw like, Oh, like actually like she's pretty chill. And that really hurt her as a person, even though she's like one of the popular people. Um, so it kind of like you saw kind of the other side of, of bullying, right. Which I don't think you see that often expressed in film. I mean, technically you get that in mean girls. That was like the, the morality of mean girls is like, Oh, like, you know, everyone's mean to each other. Um, but in book smart, I think it was like a little bit more nuanced, obviously. Um, so that mm-hmm. was just kind of interesting to see on screen as well. Yeah, definitely. I I'll say that I, I really liked, I thought Beanie did great in the scene, uh, with Annabelle slash, uh, triple I, I thought that was really well Couldn't done. Couldn't remember her name. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I felt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever. She, 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 it was, it was also funny when she was like, yeah, don't call me that yet. That's, you just made the moment weird. Uh, yeah. I also really like the, the, the look that Beanie gave when she sees Nick and Ryan making out like that for some reason is going to stick with me. I don't, I just like the, 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 the camera stays on her face for a few extra seconds in that moment. And I, I, I thought that was really impressive too. And I just wanted to shout that moment out before we moved on. One thing, one other, I don't want to say it's a big criticism that I had before. I want to ask you guys about some performances before we talk about the bigger picture box office thing. I wanted a little more out of her final speech. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that, but I thought like that they got in and out of there pretty quick and that would have been like another time to give her like a super killer moment. Did you have any thoughts on like the final graduation scene? Yeah. I mean, it was very short, very brief, and just kind of, I felt like random. But at the same time, I could tell that it was like, okay, like we're reaching a wrapping up point. I don't know if I want to sit through like a, a lovey-dovey speech, you know, because the, to- yeah. the tone of the movie was like kind of raucous. And I think so many points were made with them being late, them like crashing the like weird car through the fence and like running it together. And then her shouting out Amy to like the crowd and everyone cheering for her. Like there was enough. Cause I kind of, initially I felt in a similar way to you, Josh, that, Oh, like I'm a little unsatisfied. Maybe they could have like thrown in a sentence that was like a little bit, you know, punchier, a little bit more, brought more ethos to the closing scene. But at the same time, had it been longer, it might've just waited down the ending. Um, and then like, I wasn't expecting anything to happen after the graduation speech. I thought like, Oh, like it's over. We're done. Um, so like all of the the stuff with the airport and like packing with the parents was funny. And then like the close up scene with hope, <laughs> I thought was great. Well, um, we're, so we're, like, ta- we're talking about not comparing this movie to Lady Bird too much, but that felt like a very direct nod to Lady Bird at the airport. Yes, that seems at like that felt like a, almost like a shot for shot when she was like <laughs> pulling away and like gently weeping. I was like, oh, that's a direct nod. Um, so it was kind of funny, and I think a tip of the hat. But had that graduation speech been longer, it would have felt like a true ending. Right. And I don't know and if we've gotten. Then, then it would have felt too... weirly tacked on to have that other stuff after it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then so that it would have felt of... like the Mean Girls ending. Oh, but yeah, true. as well. Just shout out every individual student. We get it, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, no. or like what, Legally Blonde? There's so many yeah. endings, I think, end at graduation. So perhaps it was best. Yeah. That, that, one other thing I want to ask you guys about now is like, I've actually heard, like, I, I listen to, like, a, I randomly listen to, like, a bunch of podcasts about this movie in the last couple of days, and, you know, some people are like, oh, I wanted more from the adult characters, and I'm like, this is a movie that takes place over the course of, like, one wild night in high school. I think we get a, a, enough from them. Like, I, I, I could always use more Will Forte in my movies. Did you guys have any thoughts, though, though, on, like, what we got from these adult characters, whether it be Mr. Olivia Wilde himself, Jason Sudeikis, or mm-hmm. Jessica Williams, or... Uh, or like Lisa Curdo and Will Forte. Were there any of those that you guys wanted to shout out or any moments involving these adult characters that you really appreciated? I don't think that there needed to be more of them. I did like that um, Amy's parents are that sort of like a very recognizable trying to be supportive, but going a little bit overboard, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. nice, but kind of too much. I liked that. Um, And I will say actually one thing I didn't like about the movie is that uh, I think that Jessica Williams should have been out of the movie after she drops them off. I didn't like the little subplot of her sleeping with the, was it Theo? I even though they go out of their way to establish that he's 20, (laughs) that felt gross to me. And it felt like something out of a lesser movie or like more of a like sort of Judd Apatow kind of movie than this is really going for. And I like Jessica Williams a lot. I'm always happy to see her in something, but I was just sort of like, this doesn't need to be here. Yeah, see, I found that funny. Um, Maybe I'm just a little like slightly trashier with my movie. (laughs) Yeah, so it was just kind of interesting to me. But I also think the teacher character... at first I thought she was kind of cool. And then afterwards I kind of found her like a little bit like, it's almost uh, sad. 
Yeah, it was kind of sad. Because I wanted them to have a nice relationship with a cool teacher. Yeah, not as cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but my only, first of all, I never once thought about the adults in the film. Like, I was never like, you know what this needs? More adults. Right. Um, So that was never a critique in my mind, but I do want to shout out Jason Sudeikis. Uh, His principal character, hilarious. I mean, he always kills it. So, yeah. Also, Uber driving is a side hustle. Also very funny. Um, I think he did really well. So yeah, and you know he he at first he like they, they have the moment where he they, re, they he turns around and it's him in the Uber. But I, I don't know if it didn't jump out to me the first time I saw it, but the second time I saw it, I like laughed out loud and no one else in my theater did. Where all of a sudden now the camera is on the dash looking at him and you see his earring for the first time. And they're <laughs> I just didn't dr- notice that. They're, they're driving in silence and this dude has an earring now and I, I I just lost it. I was like, this is like the most ridiculous thing ever, but it's so crazy that this guy has a second life and he wears an earring while he r- drives for Uber. And that's why it was like hilarious to me. You, I mean, you've got like this almost like uh, like wannabe like Rasta singer, like or like <laughs> that's what I got or like wedding singer or like he's in a cover band that does like Kiss covers like that's the vibe i got from his like car with the weird lights and like the weird beads and the like on the chair and his little weird hat and like overly long hair i was like of course like the principal leads this weird double life like and then i started thinking about my teachers and like yeah they're probably all bizarre you know so i just kind of enjoyed that yeah i think that buzzfeed article also made the shout out that like that's also like a a very subtle like statement on class that the Mm, principal feels the need to drive for uber which i again i probably i I guess i kind of processed somewhat the moment but didn't really think that deeply about but like mm-hmm. that i was like yeah you know like maybe the principal of an la high school would want to make more money i don't know yeah um, that's one of those things where it's like it obviously is like turned all the way up to be ridiculous because it's a comedy but it's also like a totally like realistic scenario that you could you know that there are teachers i'm sure tons of teachers who you know drive uber or, or, or just take on full t- or take on like full-time jobs in the summer where at all yeah. like i think teachers just like get to take the whole summer off it's like probably most of them don't but yeah i i think we guys pretty well covered the movie did you guys have any other thoughts like you we want to think about on the movie itself because i want to talk bigger picture about its box office performance but uh do either of you have any any other aspects of this movie that i didn't touch on that you wanted to shout out before we move on I mean, I don't want to like end it on a down note, but can I mention one more thing I didn't like? <laughs> sure, go for, go for it. <laughs> just to give you a yeah. little bit this anyway. Um, and this is again just a personal thing for me, but I really hate scenes in movies where people accidentally take drugs. Um, oh and yeah, we forgot about the stop motion thing. So that you because that's a fan like that? a nightmare scenario for me, which might just be a personal thing. But <laughs> I did not think that the stop motion thing was funny. It was like briefly sort of funny, and then it was just again felt like out of nowhere and didn't add that much for me. But it might just be that I sort of check out a little bit in that kind of scene in movies. I think it could have been like half as long because like I still I enjoy it is a little long. Right. I enjoyed the visual of them walking out of the house back when like we're looking at them as people like I I got a kick out of that. But for for whatever reason, like it just didn't really like uh, it, it wasn't really that it didn't really totally do it for me either. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, like that's I feel like when they do stop motion, stop motion whenever you like switch kind of like film stylers or or, like jump into animation, that's one of those things. It's like either people are going to think it's hilarious or stupid. Like I feel like it's a very divisive thing to do to an audience. Um, I found it funny. It did go long. Um, They could have cut it down. I think they could have halved it. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I kept waiting for, but didn't get, so I was kind of a little bit angry was I wanted them to like smash cut between what the dolls were doing and what like real life Amy and Molly were, were actually doing. Cause that would have been funny, you know, when they were like looking at the mirror, like it would have been funny to see like, Oh, like this is what they think's going on. This is what they're actually doing. And like, I think they could have played it up for laughs. Yeah. I, I think, think a little bit more entertaining. Yeah. I think there's a way it could have worked, but it somehow maybe just because it was so long, it like did not justify its presence yeah, at all. They could have, I think cut back and forth between like, wow, look at us in the mirror. And they could have like smash cut to them actually looking in the mirror and just being goofy would have been more funny if you jump between the mediums, I thought. But yeah, I mean, I was less bothered by accidental drugs. That's also my greatest <laughs> fear, like hands down, because it could have been really funny. But like, I just kept waiting for it to actually like deliver. I don't know if it ever really did. Yeah, it kind of didn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, do, wanna, just so we can, if we, if we want to end on a more positive note than that, one yeah, thing. Sorry. I, no, no, no. One thing I will say because it's it's right after that scene is where they figure out. All right, we need to like get on our game, and then they uh, go to the library. 
and to like where it's like we're gonna go get in the zone now and you know it's really funny because i I watched the trailer for this movie a ton because you know like as i often talk about i have a love-hate relationship with trailers but like i just really like this trailer and i you see the scene where amy is fist bumping someone in the trailer but you don't know the context of that scene so it was like such a funny like revelation to have her like genuinely seriously fist bumping someone because she's walking to the library and like that's where that that's where these characters feel like they're the boss and like that's their space and i i i I don't know that was just another small moment that i just like lost it at like the like the jason sadekis earring like something like that like i don't know it it says a lot about the characters and like a very small moment that upended my expectations because i saw that context being something different based on like how I'd read into that trailer. So it was just, it was cool to see them do that. And I, I thought the, I thought the pizza scene was kind of funny with Mike O'Brien, even if like it got kind of dark later in the movie too. Like yeah. that, that was where they, that was another thing there. where it's like, it was, I think it would have been funnier if it had just been left as like, was that guy was up with that guy and right. rather than, or if you had just, cause at first I thought they were just going to leave it at the brief glance of the flyer of the wanted mm-hmm. thing. And that would have been fine. Too, I, was, I, guess. Was, I thought that was good. That was the end of the joke. Yeah. But they right. had, they, 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 they like, had to get her out of jail though. They had to get her out of jail somehow. It was just, it was too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well guys, I want to, I want to move on and talk a little bit about just this movie's performance, because again, even, uh, even if we seem like we enjoyed it to varying degrees, I think we can all agree we want movies like this to make mm-hmm. a lot of make a lot of money, and so they'll make more of them. And whether it be, I mean, obviously it's important for female filmmakers to like get second chances because unfortunately, like men get third and fourth and fifth chances for even after they've made movies far less successful than this one, uh, or do dumb things that, and possibly legal stuff. Yeah, there's the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's also that. Whereas like Olivia yeah. Wilde is a wholly unproblematic celebrity, and now she made a movie that was very well received critically and unfortunately doesn't look like it's going to make a lot of money and it's been like a hot topic of conversation in just the last week as to like what it means that this movie got out earned by a lot by aladdin which i think is a a silly way that people were talking about it because like aladdin was never not going to win the weekend at the box office but booksmark did only make like eight million dollars i haven't seen exactly what his budget was but it sounds like that is somewhat disappointing based on what it could have been and it did draw some comparisons to Superbad, which like made a hundred, over a hundred million dollars. So I don't know. I, I just was hoping to get your guys' thoughts on like where you're at. Are you like super down on like independent cinema or uh, independent cinema about coming of age stories or female coming of age stories? And where do you think like we go from here? Because I didn't expect Booksmark to like end up being like a whole referendum on where the genre was, but unfortunately that seems like it's where the conversation's going. And I don't think I'm like as down on it as it seems like some pundits and other podcasters who we may follow are. I think this was largely more of a, like a strategic distribution error and that's unfortunate. And I think people are going to like discover this movie for a while. Uh, Hannah, where are you on that at this point? And like, do you think that like, there's a way there's a world or a different scenario or a different release date in which this movie is like way more successful than it was so far? I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before you started. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, I was surprised at how little I was surprised at how little money this movie made this weekend because I felt like I had heard a lot about it. I felt like I had heard a lot of positive buzz about it, and there had been lots of early screenings. So it's kind of hard. Like, but then I was like, well, I guess that's just me reading a lot about movies or being extremely online or whatever. Like, so it is kind of hard to know how exactly. Uh, something like this needs to be marketed. But then again, there are people whose job that is. So it seems like probably releasing it on a holiday weekend opposite a big Disney release was not the best move. Um, And maybe it shouldn't have opened wide directly, but then it's like if it didn't open wide the first weekend, I wouldn't have gotten to see it the first weekend. So it's always hard for me to try and gauge exactly what we're supposed to do with this also super bad was an august release and i feel like august is a more dead time of the year for movies you may already mentioned they had aladdin last weekend john wick two three was in its second weekend yeah and now this weekend we're about to have uh not not just rocket man godzilla and also i think people are pretty excited about ma for a certain genre of film goers so it, it doesn't seem like an ideal time of year i don't know uh kayla uh was there something where you thought like man this movie could have they could have done this differently with like marketing because i did feel like i saw the trailer for this movie a lot i it seems like there were more early screenings for this movie than any other movie i could remember i got in recent tons years. of twitter ads for it too yeah which seems like that's yeah, it seems like digital, digital everyone always talks about how like we need to be quote unquote digital and that's like a big thing these days and I don't even always know what digital means, but it does seem like it was online a lot. So I don't know like what 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 else could they have done? 
Um, see, I think, um, well, a couple, a couple things. So the film right now is grossing, I think on par of what a lot of like cult classics, um, make, right. Um, so mm-hmm. like Adventureland, a couple other, like great movie. I can't, I can't think of, um, I just like read an article on it. They listed like six made roughly around this amount of money. But again, I do think in a pure and another distributor made a little, a little bit of a mistake because I feel like they did a great job marketing this film i feel like a lot of people knew about it not just my like little weird twitter bubble or like real life bubble of friends a lot of people knew about it um so it had good like i think brand name recognition um genuine interest i think despite the film not having any major leads i think like just the topic was interesting to people and it seemed funny so i think with the good marketing i thought you know had they just chose to wide release it at a different time, um, but to do kind of a limited release and then just to kind of decide to do a wide release right at Memorial Day weekend when all of these major studios have huge movies coming out. I mean, not that this movie was ever going to do like gross tons, like hundreds of millions of dollars, because I don't think that's really on the cards for a movie without major leads, perhaps. But uh, I think it really, you know, kind of shot itself in the foot getting released on that yeah. weekend because they have what uh aladdin detective pikachu's still in john wick three avengers uh, avengers avengers yeah. Endgame yeah. still going. yeah yes and august is like <laughs> the worst time to release a movie uh depending on who you are i mean it might be good for indie film right because it's like the major studio releases are kind of all dead it's kind of where you hide your like you know <laughs> the movie, like it's where studios like to hide kind of their duds if they have any releases. But, it, um, but I feel it's like also, it's just less competition too, though. Yeah, exactly. So like if you're an indie, um, might be good for you to release in August because you'd have a, a shot of getting more butts in, at, in the theater. Well, right? it's also um, like probably unfair of me to bring up Superbad because that was actually a studio movie, even if like yeah, they, the, those people weren't as big in names that were in it at that point. You know, like we people knew like it's actually fun. Like I think the leads were actually at fairly similar points in their career. Uh, you know, like Michael Sarah had done Arrested Development at that point. Caitlin Deaver had been on both like Last Man Standing and Justified and done some indie movies and like Jonah Hill, like his sister, like had been in like a few big movies, a couple big movies. And that this is like first one as a lead. So it's pretty yeah. similar as far as like the level of star power involved, but it was Columbia pictures. It was like a studio. And, and it was so again, like male centric. So like, I feel like, and I don't want to get like too like identity politics with this. I do feel like the whole idea that male centric films perform a little bit better or have a wider audience net. It just, it's easier to market those types of films, unfortunately, um, so like they might've had a little bit more juice, you know, to kind of push their film in addition to being a Columbia release. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. All of that is true. And also the way Josh talked a little bit about this before, but like the way that people saw movies in 2007 is different mm-hmm. from the way people see movies in 2019. Like uh, one of the articles I read about why Booksmart underperformed mentioned that it debuted on Netflix in I think France. So that means that it was much easier oh, for people yeah. to torrent it. So now, who knows yeah. how much of an effect that actually has on the box office, but it is something you have to take into consideration that a lot of people only want to watch movies at home now. Yeah, well, unless and it's something like Aladdin. I will say Avengers this, section. too, because um, like, I have a, a lot of international friends or, like, a handful, um, and I know for a fact, like, a lot of them just decided to torrent it and watch it because yeah. they knew with a small release like this, it would never come to their country. You know, they just didn't want to wait for it. Um, so, like that's a thing as well. I mean, the, the, the movie market has changed dramatically since, uh, what, what 2007, which is yeah. when super bad mm-hmm. came out. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. It's hard for us to like, cause the three of us see movies in theaters wait, uh, at a rate that far exceeds like you're just your regular, mm-hmm. uh, average show movie goer. So I guess it's hard for me to like put myself in that mindset and it's hard to know how much it's overstated when people are like, Oh, kids only want to watch Netflix these days. And right. It's like, I, sometimes I think that's overstated. And then other times I'll talk to someone that's like, yeah, I just watch what's ever on Netflix. And I was like, I get kind of sad. And I was like, how many, <laughs> how many of you are there? And, and I, I, I can't tell you though. I, I don't know if I've ever torn, I, I don't, I've never torrented a movie that was like still in theaters. Mm-hmm. It's just not something I do, but I guess it is like a common thing for a lot of people. And, 
I, I don't know. I guess it, it, it is hard. And I, and I had forgotten that about the Netflix rights to this movie. So mm-hmm. I guess that could have been an issue. But I also want I would like to think that like the the crowd that would be most excited about Booksmart would be like a crowd that would want to go in theaters. But I guess you're trying to get more than that average crowd anyway. So it's like a, it's a it's a weird catch 22. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not like throwing giving you driving this conversation in a more direct manner. I just thought like maybe if we just like batted it back and forth, we would solve independent film. I might have been a little ambitious. On there's no, <laughs> there's no concrete answer. Yeah. You know, it's hard to yeah, know. It's, it's definitely... We're in like such a sort of transition period in terms of how people watch movies. I think. Do, did you guys read anywhere if it was a conscious decision on their part to like time it to like come out around the time where high school people are graduating? Like that's I don't there? know if they did, but I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I, uh, I, I agree. I, I think it'd be dumb if they, they did. They certainly but... didn't really use it in the marketing, though. Right. Yeah. So, like, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I feel like they were just like, should we just, they kind of just, I think, what, we're just going to do, like, a slow rollout. But then when they saw that, whoa, like, a ton of people want to see this, we should just wide release it. And unfortunately, like, they just decided to wide release it on a terrible weekend. You know, I don't know. They, I think there was... Something went awry, I think, with the original marketing plan, right? They wanted to market it one way, and then when they actually had a lot of pull and buzz, they wanted to shift it to perhaps a different, like, pivot to a different kind of marketing strategy, and it just so happened that, you know, it released on horrible weekends. It's like, it's not doing horribly, right, um, compared to other films that are, like, cold classics. I don't know what his budget is, though. Usually you can find that on Wikipedia. So Yeah, um, so. I mean, like, I hope I hope they break even. I hope they do well. Obviously, I want them to do amazingly because, you know, it deserves to do well. It's a great movie, and more movies like this should be made. And I know it took a long time for this project to be, you know, come to fruition, right? So it's just it's unfortunate, right? But I do think there's so much buzz, and there's so many different, I think, powerhouse people tweeting about it. Uh, I think that maybe... Uh, sales will do well, like DVD sales, if that's even a thing that people do, or like rentals or um, whatever the second wave of uh, profit will be. That's yeah, that's the thing. Is like I'm not really concerned about people eventually finding it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's frustrating because every time a movie from a female director maybe doesn't do as well as people hope we have to have like this whole referendum about what that means. Yeah, I don't, like, yeah. I don't want it to be a self-fulfilling no, 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 prophecy. No, no. And I'm I, not... I, Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, I'm not blaming you for like starting that conversation. I'm just saying that like, um, if there were more wide movies by female directors that got wide releases, maybe we, would, we wouldn't have to have this conversation like six times a year. Yeah. Right. And I, and I don't it's think it's so hyper-focused. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I know, uh, Kayla is going to be moving to Los Angeles soon. So you're, you're going to mm-hmm. be like, you're going to get to see this stuff early, even when it is yeah. a limited release. Uh, Hannah and I are still going to be like peasants, for, uh, at, least for the, for, at least for now. Oh, I'm going to be a peasant in L.A., trust me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get That's it. over there. Right, true, true, true. But, like, uh, I Hannah and I are, like, are very against the idea that, like, you're going to solve everything by, like, putting stuff in limited release, I think. Like, but that's also for somewhat selfish reasons. Like, I feel like you just – there should be other ways around it, whether it be, like, releasing it on a smarter weekend. I heard some people say, like, maybe you shouldn't have had a Red Band trailer, but the fact is it's rated R, so I don't That doesn't I don't, make any sense. Yeah, I, I, the fact that they didn't have a Green Band trailer, that was just one other thing I saw thrown out there, but I don't really think that's a – I don't really think that was the issue. Well, I just I think, think – I think funny movies red band trailers play well for like funny raunchy comedies which is kind yeah. of what this was you know so i, feel like I think people pay more attention in theaters if a red band comes up before a yeah. trailer. oh for sure like, oh for this sure. is gonna be like juicy you know? yeah you just hope that they don't like give away all the like the funny stuff since mm-hmm. like that's the thing with a with a green yeah, band for a raider yeah true with the green band for like a rated r though it's like it's like you know there's gonna be like better stuff uh that you can't see at that point but like i you're you're just gonna get more excited probably if like it's a well-cut red band trailer and and i certainly thought uh this one was but yeah i, I don't know guys I, I just wanted to talk about that issue with you guys a little bit and apologies if i like fed into the narrative that it's a big controversy whenever <laughs> no, a, a female movie doesn't do well but no but like i i just genuinely don't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy it's like i i'm gonna go see this movie probably a third time too just like i feel like i gotta yeah. I, I gotta do my part to support it like i've been doing that <laughs> a lot i saw i saw i saw long shot twice because i really loved it and it was like i want to like i want to keep feeding these like studio or independent comedies or whatever it is like these movies that like i really like that don't get made often like i want to support them and i want to kind of like crack the code as to like what can like make them like really popular again so i wanted to just like kind of bat that topic around with you guys for a bit even if like we didn't really come up with a great solution that was just my goal well yeah i mean it's always interesting to try and figure out 
why this stuff doesn't work, but you know, it always sort of ends up going in circles because nobody knows how to. Yeah. You know, it's just when the, when the trailer first dropped, I just like, I just thought it was so strong that like, I was like, Oh shit, we got the next super bad. Like I, that was, that was my thought. A selfish thought, like great actors and a, a, a fun premise. And it, it was just sad when it, it didn't end up being that from a financial perspective. But uh, I guess that wasn't hard to see that coming based on the time well, of year. Yeah. I see. I think if, if in a different, universe right a parallel universe i think this could have been you know profitable i'm not going to say at the same level of super bad but it could have been profitable um or like you know have a good profit margin even but yeah i hope it does well i do think it's a little bit weird that like for some reason this like movie is like a mile marker for like female success yeah right um i don't know why twitter's latched onto it so much I think maybe it's because there is this, the fans of the movie do feel like this like loyalty and fealty to like want to support it because it isn't doing super great. But yeah, it is something that odd that I've kind of noticed because I mean, there's been a couple, I mean, they haven't been comedies, but there's been quite a few female directed films, indie releases in the last couple of years. And you never got this sort of like weird argument kind of attached to it. Right. It's, I mean, I don't think weird, Lady things- Bird. Yeah, I did like Ladybird a, a little bit, but it was a it had a more limited release. Yeah. So I don't and I, I don't think it was maybe primed to be a success in the way that this was, although I don't know who was saying that this was I don't it's always hard to yeah. know. See, and like the flavor of the films were different because that had a lot of critical acclaim. So like it's again apples and oranges. And it was but, a fall release too, so it, it Yeah. We weren't expecting it to make as much maybe with that release date. Yeah. Again, I feel like the release date's probably the biggest issue here. Um, but I, yeah, again, I'm yeah. just kind of puzzled as to why this film is getting just so much attention about how it's doing. But yeah, it's weird. It also felt like Lady Bird. It's like, why should this be a referendum on these kind of movies when like, why can't Lady Bird like set the new narrative for a very long time when it makes $80 million on a $10 million budget? I don't, I don't know. All that stuff's really frustrating, but it certainly gives us a lot to think about. Guys, we've already gone for a while, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. Before we head out, Kayla, do you have anything you'd like to plug for the listeners if they want to find any more of your thoughts, stuff, anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, my Twitter is just kind of always a dumpster fire of my thoughts and a lot of film and TV commentary at times. So if you guys want to follow me, just at Kayla Stetzel. Um, just find this podcast. Maybe it'll be mentioned somewhere. Maybe my name's spelled out because I don't want to spell it. It's a long, confusing last name. Um, I, yeah. I, I, my mind's more long and more confusing and I spell it every time. <laughs> so you shouldn't feel bad about it, but, uh, I will certainly, uh, direct everyone to you when I post the podcast. Hannah, do uh, you want to plug your Twitter or letterbox or anything like uh, that? Oh yeah. Uh, my Twitter is at H G C O U T U R E. If you like musical theater opinions and, um, my letterbox is Hannah G C if you're into that. All right. And as usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast has its own Twitter now, Rewind Movie Pod, so you can follow us there. Everyone, thanks for listening. Coming up next, I guess we'll have a podcast on Aladdin and uh, uh, maybe Godzilla, King of the Monsters or Kings and Monsters. I honestly don't really I, – I, I that shows you how much I've actually like thought I've put into that one so far. But uh, we got plenty of all that summer movie stuff coming up, so everyone stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.